servants. He was the thing had run its course. Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the whole earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were ploughing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Thanks. Thank you very much. Why don't we pray together? God, as we uh, consider this passage of Job and uh, the Uh, complexities and struggles that it has. Just pray that you'll open our ears uh, to listen this morning uh, and uh, speak through me as I bring your word this morning. Uh, And just thank you for, um, yeah, your your word to us through Job. Amen. Well, uh, my name's Nathan. Uh, I don't have any animals. Uh, I don't have any children either, like Job. Uh, And I certainly don't have any servants Uh, And in fact, I serve at my church at Toronto uh, as the ministry support worker there. Uh, And I don't don't think anyone's ever described me as the greatest man uh, in all of Western Lake Macquarie. Um, But this character, Job, on the other hand, oh, wow, he just, he sounds like quite the man, doesn't he? Um, uh, He's, he's, we're told that Job is blameless and upright uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a perfect person, uh, but he's a man of integrity, uh, and he's respected and honoured by God in everything that he does. 
his children are all grown up and they've got their own families and their own lives and we're told that Job has 7,000 sheep which are probably used for, for clothing and for selling of the wool as well and for eating, um, a great source of his income. 3,000 camels, so he probably had his own you know, Uber business and uh, transported everybody around on those. Um, he had 1,000 uh, yoke of oxen for ploughing all of his fields, uh, as well as uh, 500 female donkeys, as some other translations say. Uh, and I'm, I'm told that the female donkeys were prized because they have everybody's favourite, donkey milk. Uh, now, I've never had donkey milk, but I'm told that it's quite a delicacy. Uh, so, Job's got it all. Uh, and clearly, Mrs. Job, his wife, was a very lucky lady as well. Um, all of their adult children can go out and celebrate uh, their birthdays together with feasts and having their donkey milk. Um, and just to top it off, uh, Job prepares sacrifices for his children just in case they might sin while they're celebrating. This, he goes above and beyond. Uh, I don't think my dad ever did that for me, but uh, he just does everything uh, above and beyond for his family. Now, when I was a kid, uh, I do remember, though, <coughs> my, um, my parents had a, we had a rule that in the morning before school, I could get up and watch uh, one cartoon as long as I was ready. So I had to pack my bag, make sure the, my lunch was ready, uh, get dressed in my uniform. Uh, and so the, the cartoon I chose to watch in the morning was Pokemon. So I don't know if I'm showing my age. I'm told it's still on TV. Uh, but I loved it. Every weekday, I'd get up uh, in the morning and, and turn on the TV, make sure I was ready for school first, uh, and uh, turn on Pokemon. And I think uh, I'd do that every morning except um, when I was about 10 years old, uh, turned on the TV, uh, and instead of this bright, colourful, exciting cartoon uh, that I'd usually watch, uh, I turned on the TV and something else was on the TV. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's the wrong channel. So, press the button, no, uh, this thing was on the, the next station as well, and the next station, and the next station. And every single station had this same thing happening on it, uh, and I realised that uh, as I was watching, uh, it was on every station and something bad had happened. You see, it was the morning of the September 11 terrorist attacks uh, on the World Trade Centres in New York. And my excitement and my joy for this fun, exciting cartoon just vanished in an instant. Uh, and I stood there in shock at these planes flying into the Twin Towers uh, and just uh, the enormity of the devastation, even as a 10-year-old, uh, hit me. I just remember calling out, Mum, what's happening? Like, um, just uh, hoping that she'd be able to explain uh, what I was watching. And I'm sure many of you as well remember those uh, that, that day and uh, the months that followed after that. Um, for me, it just seemed like life felt different. Um, uh, especially, I mean, for those that were affected directly by the tragedy as well. And in the same way, Job's home one day, uh, just going about his business, maybe sacrificed for his children that have had a party, uh, or he's been out tending his flocks, and the news reaches him. All of his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his camels, they're all gone. Stands there, just can't believe what's happening, what's, what he's hearing, unable to speak. Maybe he's thinking to himself, well, at least my children are okay. But 
another messenger comes along and sure enough, all of his, ch- all of his children are dead as well. Why? Why did this happen to Job? What did he do to deserve this? Is this some sort of punishment for something he'd done? Did he not do the sacrifices right? Well, if you go into verse 6, go back a little bit there, uh, we have this figure which is described as Satan in the NIV. Uh, In the original Hebrew, uh, it's uh, the word hasatan, which means the one who is opposed or the accuser. Uh, And he's clearly somebody who is opposed to God and God's way of ruling. God invites the accuser to consider Job in verse 8. God says, there's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Now, that's pretty high praise, that God himself is saying that there's nobody on earth, on the planet, uh, like Job. Uh, But the accuser uh, does what he does best. He accuses God of playing favourites and sheltering Job from the troubles of life uh, and just by blessing his family. So he says, if you strike everything he has, he will surely curse you to his face. And I guess if you've never read through the story of Job before, um, this next bit can be quite shocking, that God allows the accuser to take everything from Job, as long as he doesn't touch Job himself. God doesn't give him free reign uh, to just go for, go for Job there, but he sets clear limits. Uh, and even that, though, is still shocking, I think. So let's come back to our question. Uh, what did Job do to deserve all of this? Well, nothing at all. He hadn't done anything. He's the most upright uh, person on the whole planet, uh, according to God himself. Job isn't even aware that this conversation is happening uh, in heaven. Uh, The accuser doesn't come and just announce his schemes like a James Bond movie where they come and just tell the the Bond, oh, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to get you. No, all of a sudden, out of the blue, disaster strikes and it just doesn't seem fair. Job's devastated. He tears his clothes, shaves his head and he falls to the ground uh, the, the accuser is probably thinking at this point, ha see God, I told you. But uh, he was expecting Job to curse God at this point. But what does Job do? He falls to the ground, not purely out of his grief, but in worship. It says in verse 21, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. I think, in fact, Job's response here is more than just not sinning. Um, I think Job realises two things. Uh, Firstly, that his possessions are temporary. He entered this world with nothing, naked and helpless as a baby. He can't take anything with him when he dies. Um, And secondly, I think, uh, this is probably the hardest one for me to grasp, but that Job acknowledges that God has the authority to give good gifts, but he also has the authority to take them away as well. 
In other words, Job might be saying, everything I had on lo- was on loan from you, God. Thank you for the time I had with my wealth and my family. Uh, and it's your right as God to do what you will. I was born naked, can't take anything with me when I die, so blessed be your name. How profound is that response? Job doesn't even question God at this point. That's not to say that he isn't going to in the chapters to come, but his response is one of praise uh, in spite of his suffering. If you flick over to chapter 2, I'll go through that quickly as well, but the pattern of events uh, plays out very similarly to chapter 1. Uh, God invites the accuser to consider Job uh, and uh, the accuser says, well, if you actually touch Job and affect him, he will curse you. And again, God allows the accuser to inflict Job with pain, but he must not kill him. Again, there's a set limits. Job becomes so repulsive and sickly that he goes and sits amongst uh, the ashes, which is chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, which is like the town dump. Uh, They'd take everything out of town, all their excrement as well, uh, and burn it. And it was common for the townsfolk to to take their waste there, but also to go out there uh, and mourn uh, and to scrape themselves in their mourning, either out of their grief or maybe because of his um, sickness and his sores, he would do that. But this is where, in verse 9, Mrs. Job speaks up... uh, Verse 9 says, his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Now, uh, please don't be quick to judge uh, her actions here. She's just as broken as well. She's lost all of her children. She's lost all of her wealth and possessions. She was the wife of the greatest man in the East who is now sitting in a garbage dump covered in sores and rubbish and... Uh, she's lost her companion. Job is just a shadow of the man that he used to be, completely in agony and unrecognisable. She sees Job and just thinks it would just be better for him to give in and let God end his suffering. Job responds in verse 10 though, you're talking like a foolish woman, shall we accept the good from God and not trouble? It's like Job saying, listen, darling, I know you're suffering too, but the way that you're thinking is wrong. Shouldn't we accept all the good things from God that he gives us, as well as the bad? Uh, It's still, he's still God, and I don't understand why this is happening, but I choose to trust in his plan. And in, in all of this, Job did not sin. What a response even when his companion, his wife, is telling him to give up as well. He remains faithful. Uh, He's lost his family, his possessions, his livelihood, his health, and he doesn't uh, turn and sin against God. The accusers' challenges against God have just fallen completely flat, and we're not even uh, told again about the accuser. He's not mentioned in the book of Job after this point. Um, It seems like Job has stood firm Uh, He doesn't know necessarily why this is occurring to him, but he has remained blameless and upright. What a man. Um, 
But for the next 40 chapters of Job, he remains in this state of suffering uh, and uh, agony, uh, and it just doesn't seem fair. How can God be just if he allows the most blameless and upright man alive to suffer so much? Why do bad things happen to good people? A question we hear all the time. Well, through the rest of the book of Job, uh, he and his friends wrestle with that question and, spoiler alert, at the end of the book, uh, he doesn't actually get the answer that he was hoping for um, as to why this happened to him. So, what does Job, uh, the book of Job and his suffering have to teach us? Well, the first chapter showed us that Job realised his possessions were temporary and he acknowledged that God had the authority to take Uh, to give good gifts, but also to take them away again. And I think chapter 2 says, uh, that shows us, we we see that there's just more more bad to come, like just because the bad, the suffering from chapter 1 ended, more came along. Um, But I think also we can be prepared for blessing as well as adversity. And I found this quote from Dave Jenkins as I was studying says, Job finds nothing wrong with what has happened to him. It is equally right for God to give good gifts and to retrieve them. It is equally right for God to send good or evil. And it is easier to lower your view of God than to raise one's faith to such a height. And that's a challenge, isn't it? Because it can be uh, easy to fall into the trap of lowering our view of God in the midst of pain and suffering um, and it can be tempting to accuse God and I know that I definitely wouldn't fare as well as Job has done. Um, when I was a teenager, started dating a girl from the youth group that I met and uh, went through uh, for a couple of years and then uh, when we were young, 20, 21, something like that, uh, we got married and life seemed to be going well. Uh, My mum had gone through cancer treatment and she was in remission. Uh, Life was going great. Seemed like life was planned out. I had a scholarship with uni uh, as well. Uh, And then out of the blue, after only a year of being married, she left. And I was devastated, not just because of the pain that the separation and the divorce had, but also the I guess, unspoken, oh, there's this guy that we've known since we were a kid from church and now he's grown up and his marriage has failed and just the pain and the suffering that that, um, that I felt, uh, not necessarily spoken, uh, but that I felt because of that as well. Um, and I just remember driving down the road one day just crying and crying and just asking, why? Why is this happening? What have I done to deserve this? A few years uh, later, I'd kind of been working through uh, all of that, um, but mum's cancer came back as well, and at 51, she died. And that's three, three years ago now, but I still don't understand why that had to happen. She was very active in um, serving and had been on many trips to India and serving in an organisation that supports orphanages over there and... Uh, kind of running the treasury around that and 
Um, I didn't understand why was God taking her away at this point. But I think after three, three years ago that was now, and I still don't understand why it had to happen, but I think if these passages from Job are teaching us anything is that often life isn't fair, um, and we've seen that this year, how thriving businesses uh, can go from one minute uh, being so wealthy and thriving to just being forced to close due to coronavirus and the pandemic, uh, how you can have stable employment and that can just be ripped out from underneath you, how your health uh, and something that we take so often for granted as well can just be taken away from us. This year's had its fair share, uh, but until the day that Jesus returns... There's going to be more suffering and more devastation and more bad years like 2020 to come. Um, the book of Job doesn't necessarily offer uh, the answers as to why good people suffer, why we all suffer. And Job wrestles with this question uh, throughout the book before God speaks to him. Um, and God speaks and God still doesn't answer Job's question. Um, we know that Job didn't deserve the suffering, but he doesn't explain or tell him that the accuser was challenging him and this was a test. That's never explained to Job. Now, a few months after, I think it was after mum died, we were at church, we were practicing in the band and we were singing the song, Blessed Be Your Name. Uh, and the bridge of the song is taken from this passage in Job. You give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. And as we're rehearsing, one of my elders, who was on the band as well, turned to me and said, I don't know how you can sing that. And I was a bit taken aback, but I was, he, he was right. It was very difficult to sing those words. But I realised that the words were still true, that in my joy and in my grief, I could keep singing and worshipping through it all because God was still God. And that doesn't change. And so I sang, blessed be his name. My encouragement to you uh, this morning is, is to hold on to the, the things of this world loosely. Everything we have is a gift uh, from God. Our possessions, our jobs, our, our health, our relationships, our children even. It's all on loan. And Clearly, it's not whether we're good or we're upright uh, or we pray the right amount of times uh, that mean that we're going to have a good and prosperous life because Job did all of these things uh, and his wealth and happiness were taken away from him in seconds. But as Christians, we have the benefit of knowing that Jesus has already overcome all of these things and even death itself. This world and its troubles are not the end for those that trust in Jesus. And as we enter this Christmas season as well, uh, and we reflect on the, the birth and the life of Jesus, it reminds me that God didn't remain a mystery. Uh, Job didn't understand all of the pain and the suffering that he was going through, but uh, at Christmas I'm reminded that uh, jo that. God didn't stay a mystery. He didn't stay remote. He came, as Caleb was saying uh, during communion, uh, he was born as a human, a human who, who grew, who loved, uh, who 
suffered when his friends died, who got angry at times and flipped some tables. He was uh, nailed to the cross and called out, why, why are you forsaking me, God? And yet, Jesus' death and resurrection back to life, uh, through all of that, he overcame the pain and the suffering and the anguish this world can throw at us. So perhaps you're listening today and you're going through it right now. You're suffering. You're struggling. Can I encourage you to get in contact with Pastor Chris or the elders or the care team, someone from their care team, so that they can get alongside you and listen to you and pray with you and to take encouragement together from this book of Job by keeping our focus not on the world or the suffering, but on God, worshipping Him and focusing on Him and holding loosely onto everything else. Job suffered and he didn't give up and neither should we because we have the same God that Job worshipped. It's the same God that raised Jesus from the dead. The same God that we worshipped here today. If we're struggling through loss of any kind, of income, family, relationships, our response needs to be one of worship. God, you give and take away. But today I choose to say, blessed be your name. And tomorrow, when things start looking up and things are getting a bit brighter, I'll say, blessed be your name. And when, in the future, when the cancer comes back, I'll say, blessed be your name. Or the employment's gone and the spouse has left or all of the money's run out. It, it is going to be hard. But if Job teaches us anything, it's that we can say, blessed be your name. Let's pray together. God, you are our almighty God. We came into this world with nothing and you cared for us and protected us. And when trials and hardship come, you are still there walking beside us. If they are here right now, you are with us walking beside us. Help us today as we uh, think through the suffering we faced, uh, as we consider the suffering of others, as we uh, prepare for the suffering to come, we choose to say, blessed be your name. Give us the strength to persevere and the wisdom to understand through it all. Amen. Thanks.